When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O. TIKA.com. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Forward Thinking. Hey there, and welcome back to Forward Thinking, the podcast that looks at the future and says, You're face to face with the man who sold the world. I'm Jonathan Strickland. I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And I'm Joe McCormick. That's kind of a melancholy note to begin on, but we are back. Yeah. 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 Woo. Wait, wait till you hear the quote for the next one. Oh, <laughs> oh excellent. Like it's themed, okay? I, I, I took it hard. But no, we are back. We, this is a moment of celebration for us. We are so pleased to be recording new episodes. This isn't yes. an update to an old episode. This is brand new. Yeah, we had to like do research and yeah, like I, think I had about to, things again. I had to go to Las Vegas. Oh man, that yeah. is an intense podcast episode. Yeah. Jonathan, be straight with me. Sure. How futuristic were the buffets? 
Uh, I only ate, no wait, I ate at two buffets, neither of which felt particularly futuristic, although I started to, I started to question my recent decisions after I started eating them. So I was really reflecting on the past, essentially the specific moments that led up to me going to a buffet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't really think so much about the future, which was pretty evident okay. by the way I was eating. Question number two about Las Vegas. Yeah. Is anybody working on the packet bread from The Force Awakens? As far as I can tell, no, but but keep in mind that uh, we're talking about CES 2016 in this episode and some of the forward thinking technology I, I saw there. CES is is enormous. I mean, the the number that was thrown around for 2015, I don't know that this is accurate for 2016, was that it had 2.2 million square feet of exhibit space across uh, the Las Vegas Convention Center, the Sands, as well as a bunch of hotel suites. So it's just enormous, and, and right? upwards of a thousand, uh, like vendors, like show close to close boots. to four thousand at this oh, point. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. okay, Hoof. yeah, yeah. It's, it, and so some of them are huge. Like some of those booths are enormous, and uh, you could fit like forty booths in one of the big ones, like Intel or Sony. In the future, we will have booths that take up entire buildings. That's kind of what it feels <laughs> like. And of course, not all of the technology on display there is particularly forward thinking. Some of it is just you know the latest in stereo systems. Yeah. And it's not that they're TVs, bad. TVs, refrigerators, <laughs> all yeah. that. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not that that technology is, is subpar or anything like that. It's just not the kind of stuff we associate with, you know, all right, what's sort of the, the groundbreaking, pioneering tech out yeah. there? Yeah. What's going to drive our, our very lives over the next 20 to 40 years? <laughs> Yeah, and we want exactly 20 to 40 years. Oh, it's good to be back. But it, also we wanted to, uh, you know, I want to stress this is, this is a show about consumer technology. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't expect to see tech that is like the super prototype cutting edge, you know, we're 10 years away from seeing this implemented kind of stuff. You yeah. tend to see stuff. That in general, you know, you're talking about possibly uh, a product I, I coming imagine, out in the next year. I imagine there's not like a DARPA booth. Strangely <laughs> enough, you would be incorrect. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Only in the sense what? that DARPA has a presence at CES because often they end up being, uh, you know, people who end up working for DARPA also end up working on these other sure. projects. Like uh, Toyota so has. It could a be couple. like recruitment and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, Toyota had a couple of uh, former DARPA um, uh, executives. Join their artificial intelligence research facility, for example. Uh, and oh, it's so much fun. Yeah, it's really inter- interesting stuff. And ASA has a uh, booth there, too, uh, actually, at CES. Okay, so w- actually what you're saying here is that there's so much going on there that you don't know for sure that there wasn't an entire wing devoted to the bread from The Force Awakens. It, it, there there could have been. Okay. I, I did not my- witness it myself. But then usually when I get home, the first thing that happens is I start looking at some of the footage from CES, and it looks like it's a totally different show than the one I went to, just because my experience was so limited. I just want to assure you listeners, by the way, who might be worrying, if you haven't seen The Force Awakens yet, the bread is not a spoiler. This is no major plot point. No, the bread doesn't spoil. That's what makes it futuristic. (laughs) All right. So we wanted to talk about the actual technology that I did witness and read up on as well while uh, at CES. So these are these are just some examples of some of the stuff I saw personally. Keep in mind, this is not an exhaustive list. This doesn't include all the other things that I didn't get around to seeing. So, for example, I don't have any AR or VR stuff 
really listed here. And that's because I never got a chance to go to that part of the show floor. That's how big this show mm-hmm. is. And I didn't even get a chance to go to where all the drones and robots are because I was running short on time. But I'd, I'd guess the lines for the AR and VR stuff are really long. They were. And in fact, I think I might be mistaken, but I think Oculus decided to have a reservations only approach. So you huh. had to actually book a time to go and get a demonstration of the Oculus technology. Uh, I might be incorrect about that because I never went to see it. (laughs) But uh, one thing I did get to see was Intel's booth. I mentioned them earlier. And one of the reasons I think Intel is really interesting when you go to CES is Intel's known for making the sensors and processors that make other technology work, Mm -hmm. right? They don't tend to be the company you would think of for a finished product. They they, they make they, the guts of consumer products. Exactly. So most of the stuff you see on display at Intel is actually the representation of a partnership with some other company or multiple companies uh, where the, the insides are Intel-powered. And they showed off a couple of different things that uh, were implemented in different ways. Uh, one of them was Intel Curie. And this is, it looks like just a little microprocessor. It's essentially a very simple computer on a chip system. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about the size and shape of a button. Yeah, it's tiny, tiny. And it has uh, a six-axis accelerometers and gy- uh, gyroscopes in there, uh, as well as a means of communicating over Bluetooth low-energy protocols. So it, it sips at power. It has a tiny little battery that is uh, dedicated just to this device. And this is something you would embed in other things like a wearable technology or, uh, as was the case in some of the demonstrations, um, sporting equipment. So we saw it in like snowboards and bicycles. And one of the things it could do is actually measure rotation in real time. So imagine you're watching the X Games, like the Winter X Games. And you see a snowboarder leap into the air and start doing all those crazy twisty turny things. You could get real time update on exactly what sort of maneuvers that person was doing and, and including like f- to the degree an exact oh, explanation of what they're doing. So, so it could be like, I'm sorry that looked like a 1080, but it was not. This is snowboarding 1060 and you have failed. That <laughs> you could get that specific. Yeah. I don't know that that's going to get to the point of judging, but you could at least, you know, as someone watching it, you could have a live feed that was just giving you the data from the, the Intel Curie uh, processor. Oh, nice. we, we always um, use new module. technology to judge better. That's true. That's, that's what humans do. Right. Casting we wanna... of shade yeah. is important, right? <laughs> I mean, you, you can't bribe the sensor. No. No, it's it's not subjective. It is it is actually quantifying something that before we would just sort of say that was very impressive. Now we can say we can say exactly to what degree that was impressive. <laughs> now I have a question. You said it's yeah. called the Curie, spelled C U R I E. I assume is that named after the Curies like Marie and Pierre? I, that was my assumption. It's uh usually Intel tends to name a lot of their products after uh places. Uh, specifically places that are around uh, Intel's headquarters. But in this case, I think it was specifically after the Curies. But uh, that's my that's my guess. I mm-hmm. didn't actually ask anyone there. I was too busy looking at some of the other implementations. Like they had them embedded in gloves and then they would play air guitar and get actual music out of it. They're, at the Intel press <laughs> conference, which I did not attend, I only watched the video, it, it, it's just as awkward as it sounds, imagine an Intel executive coming out wearing a do-rag 
Oh no! <laughs> and and having these gloves on, and then playing either air guitar or air drums, and you'd actually get uh, you know music playing out of this, and then. Of so course. he looks like he's having some kind of episode. Possibly that I, I'm, I, I, that would not be outside the realm of plausibility. Should you watch this video, that you would have that reaction. Uh, also, it's just uh, there were a couple of grandiose comments that uh, you know, kind of like. Uh, not quite to the extent of music will change forever or we don't need <laughs> we don't need guitars anymore but but kind of going and and like you could see an implication there uh-huh. and this is one of those things where you think really i mean it's impressive it's kind of cool and fun i could see that being an interesting implementation of that uh but there were other uh, uh demos as well they actually one i got to try they had these bracelets uh, with LEDs in them. And the LEDs would light up whenever you were using the bracelet properly. They had this big uh, curved display that had uh, digital little fish on them. Mm-hmm. And when you would wave the bracelet around in front of it, it could capture the fish's attention. You could get a little school of fish. and You could make them spiral around and direct them to different parts. And they had about, you know, a dozen people or so lined up on this thing, all kind of stealing each other's fish. And it was, again, just a demonstration that this thing could fit into really small stuff. I mean, it wasn't a practical demonstration of the power of this. It was more of a practical demonstration of it's so small and self it's it's like self-contained in the sense that it's pretty much everything you need to do some basic uh control that uh, that was really the power of that demonstration. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on a more practical level, I expect that it would be implemented into like like fitness tracking technology kind of stuff. Partially because the the tech that comes from Curie comes from the company Basis, which Intel bought back in March of 2014. Um, and uh, I, I read this interview, this really good interview with uh, Intel's vice president Mike Bell in the Internet publication Alfer. Which I, I had never heard of that. I had never heard of before. Interesting. But it apparently exists. And uh, yeah, uh, he, he was talking about how they're, they're working on making technology like this adaptive to every individual who, who use it, who uses it, you know, like, like learning what it looks like when you, Joe, go running or play racquetball or are sleeping. You don't want to know what that looks like. Well, Maybe Intel does. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you want statistics on, on how well you're running, how, how, how your body is moving, all of your heartbeat, kind of, you know, all that sort of stuff. Maybe in what point of any given physical activity do you see uh, your physical performance start to drop? Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, lots of people these days are min-maxing their own bodies in, in fitness tracker kind of ways. Which uh, I, I work on just maxing. <laughs> and it's mostly <laughs> through the buffets. <laughs> Uh, but, but, you know, he, he was talking about how, how for, for a, a lot of this technology today, it's geared towards the average user and that there's really no such thing as the average user. Of course, we're all mm. in our own ways outliers. Sure. And so, you know, ma- making something that can adapt and can learn what you do is, is a lot more useful to any given human. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Now, I, sometimes I wonder about, say, the, the fitness tracker on my phone. It, it has an estimate of how many steps you took today, mm-hmm. but that's gotta be based on some averaging and some estimating because, because it doesn't really know for sure. Yeah, it's not I, like it's a pedometer. What, what if my gait is kind of weird? Sure. Or what, I mean. What if you were skipping? I, I just don't know how accurate it is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. I mean, if, especially if it's something where it's 
just estimating based upon the speed and distance that you are traveling. So mm-hmm. in other words, if there's not a pedometer, if there's nothing like – if the accelerometer isn't trying to uh, gauge w- – an actual step, then you could do something like jump on a moving sidewalk. And just because of the speed and distance, it's going to say, oh, well, that that includes those. Those are steps, too. Yeah. Oh, I like it when I I know sometimes it's wrong because occasionally it tells me that I bicycled for 15 minutes today and I have <laughs> not ridden a bicycle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. There are a lot of other uh, potential applications of this. Again, this was really a, a proof of concept in the sense that Intel could say, you probably have ideas of what you want to do. We make the stuff that makes your ideas possible. Yeah. And another example of that was their RealSense technology, which is pretty similar to the way the Kinect sensor works for the Xbox. It actually contains uh, three cameras. It's, it's a system that uses three cameras. One of them is in the optical spectrum. It's like a 1080 high-definition camera. Uh, one is an infrared camera, and one's more of an infrared projector. So the idea being that using these, this combination, you can create a system that is able to sense uh, objects in depth. And um, and so you could put it into a laptop. They had several laptops on display where that was part of the laptop camera. So it wasn't just a regular camera. You could also use it for gesture controls and that kind of thing. I've, I've also read that Intel is looking to use RealSense to let your, your device, your laptop, your phone, your tablet, whatever, uh, watch your reactions to what you're experiencing on mm-hmm. that device, like whether you're happy or sad or bored. And I'm not sure why. Yeah, let me let me get back to that because okay. there's there's something specific I want to talk to you guys about. I didn't put it in the notes, but it's called Smart Me Up. <laughs> and I, <laughs> or, uh, it might have been Smart Me App, but it's it's a uh, it's it's a Smart Me Up and never stop. It may be. It was a um it was an app with facial recognition technology that also could recognize mood. I'll get back to that because it's similar to what you're saying, Lauren. Okay, all right, but. But you could also put this in other technology, too. One of the examples they had was uh, the Hover Butler. Um, and the Hover Butler is uh, essentially – think of one of those personal transportation devices that often are called hoverboards, which, Joe, I, I know you object to the term hoverboard for something that uses wheels to that get around. It does not, in yeah. fact, hover. So, yeah. But this is a hover butler. It's a hover butler. So does so, it catch on fire? Uh, it, <laughs> it did not in the presentation. And it, and considering who is behind it, I would suspect it would not catch on fire. But it's a... It, it's a fire butler. It's like a... It's <laughs> I'm like bringing a, you fire, sir. <laughs> Perhaps they had called it Prometheus. But it's a... Uh, it, it's, it's like a hoverboard. So you can stand on it and uh-huh. And wheel around just mm-hmm. as you would with one of those. But it has um, kind of a little central uh, post that extends up a little bit from the base and you can convert it into a robot. And so the 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 uh, actual stem will switch a little bit and a little digital screen will pop out and these cute little eyes are there and it can talk to you and you can even have it do things like answer the door and stuff or at least go and look at who's at the door. There are cameras embedded in it so uh-huh. you can get live streaming video and it uses real sense to uh, to detect objects in its environment and maneuver around them. Um, and my favorite part was when they added arms to it. Uh, there was a, a a segment on the back that you could unscrew. And then you could plug in uh, a physical extension to this robot. And in this case, they plugged in a physical extension that were a pair of arms. And uh, they let him, the robot know. It says, okay, robot, you have arms now. And he says, these are my arms. And it lifts its arms up and then goes, 
awesome. <laughs> and it was in the demo, and everyone was like, aw. That's adorable. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, a, you guys just hover, Butler. Uh, what a time to be alive. Am I right? Yeah. I, we, uh, someone, someone named a product that. Uh, but B, the people who named a product that, uh, it's a project from Segway and Segway's new owners, Ninebot. Mm-hmm. So you guys, Segway is still a thing. Yay. Which is why I would Cheers. expect it probably doesn't w- burst into flames. Well, hold on. Did Segway not make the other hoverboards? No. Oh, I see. Yeah. In uh, fact, there were. This there's... is a different, co- totally different thing. Yeah, the hoverboard stuff, like, there actually are some, uh, some patent disputes about. Uh, whether some of them have infringed upon Segway's patents, there have actually been some uh, some threatens, uh, threats of lawsuits. But the interesting thing here, and, and Lauren, I know you can talk about this a little bit too, is that while you you know you might think, oh, well, that's a very cute idea, this idea of a of a robot slash personal transportation device that's adorable. They're also looking at involving other parties by uh, making it an open platform, both from software and hardware. And uh, and I remember, like, right here in our notes, you've got a little bit about uh, using Android operating systems in order to do that. Uh, yeah, yeah. In- Intel so far has been pairing these technologies with Android and trying to encourage independent developers to really dive in and, and find new cool ways to-, to use it, like like you were saying earlier. Yeah, and, and the same thing with the-, the ARM extension I was talking about. That's just one potential hardware piece that you could attach to this thing. What I'm if you- thinking – Articulated spider legs. Right. Or tentacles, you know, or, or, uh, or just dart guns. Fire extinguisher extensions <laughs> to put out your hoverboard fires. Right, yeah. right. So, <laughs> Uncle, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, why did you teach me to love? Uh, yeah, it'll, uh, we might be we might be a little loopy after our long hiatus. Uh, but yeah, it, it was, again, like meant to sort of demonstrate the potential i possibly with the hover butler more of an actual potential product i don't know who would who that market is like um, i don't <laughs> well you know it, it's combining those you know people with limited mo- mobility or, or anytime that you've got a you know that that like office robotic avatar that we've talked sure. about a few times yeah, on the show yeah. like being able to to plug that into something like that would allow not having your your office avatar just bump into doors continually True. must be like way less embarrassing i think well, it would be hilarious to be fired by the hover butler because it would be so <laughs> adorable you couldn't be mad about it <laughs> Yes, back up your things. Uh. <laughs> it doesn't come across like that at all. The voice is so cute. But uh Well, anyway. I mean, I think the cuteness has got to be a, a factor there, right? You're asking who would be interested in it. I mean, there's going to be a certain audience for things that are robotic novelties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just also, I imagine, and I don't know what the price would be for this particular thing, but I would imagine it would be pretty expensive. I mean, you're... You're talking about Segway technology, and Segways were not known for being cheap. Um, they weren't Although really I, known for anything other than that PR being, blast. Being of the sort of goofy. Yeah. 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 I remember – I still distinctly remember the day when Good Morning America unveiled what it was because before that they called it either Project Ginger or it. And then they had the reveal that this is the Segway. And I remember I was sitting there thinking – what? <laughs> yeah. This? Um, but, you know, it was... And your reaction was thus the whole world's yeah, reaction. Yeah, I, I did not intend to be a pioneer in that space. <laughs> uh, but there were a lot of other things I got to see as well. Uh, so that was in 
the central hall of the Las Vegas Convention Center. That's where a lot of the really big uh, companies like Sony and Panasonic and things like that are there. And Intel was is always in the central hall. But the next one that I looked at was over in the south hall of the convention center. And this was one of those things that I would have totally missed. I would have overlooked it, except a friend of mine, Ayaz Akhtar of, of CNET, mm-hmm. had mentioned he had heard something about it. And gave me the heads up. And oh. so I put it on our list of things we had to check out. Oh, I'm so glad because th- I'm so excited about this one. Yeah, this is uh, Genworth Financial, which is a, uh, a a long-term care insurance company. And you might think, well, why are they at CES? I mean, it's and what exactly is long-term care insurance? Well, it's insurance that you would uh, enter into, you would hold a policy for in order to get reimbursed for long-term care for people who cannot care for themselves, uh, typically the elderly, but not necessarily just the elderly. Mm-hmm. But it's for services like uh, assisted living, so feeding and bathing and, and dressing and that sort of stuff that these are services that you have to pay for. Well, this kind of insurance gives you a reimbursement, a daily reimbursement. And it's it's a really important idea, particularly with a growing aging population. But it's also a tricky one to talk about with younger people to get across, uh, you know, what it's like to go through these experiences. Right. I mean, people, they just think they're going to be young and strong forever. Or even if they're thinking about the uh, uh, like a parent that they might be caring for. Yeah. It's still an experience that's so far removed from their own personal experience. It's hard to have that kind of sympathy. Right. And frankly, this isn't something we usually want to think about. Right. Oh, sure. Well, and, and also it's this kind of issue of sympathy and empathy with any kind of patient is is a huge issue in the medical industry. And it's been luckily getting increased attention in the past couple of decades. But no one has really come up with a really good solution for it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd, like I'd hazard that most human people want to be sympathetic to the plight of, of their of their fellows. Yes. At least yeah. in the abstract. Yeah. Sure. Hypothetically. Um, but, you know, A, like, like, like you said, like, it's hard to understand what people are going through if you've never had any kind of similar symptom. And B, there are unfortunately groups of people that society is sort of trained to disbelieve about their symptoms. Uh, women and the elderly in particular are two groups that numerous studies have indicated receive less medical care for equal symptoms reported. So, since society is a really hard thing to change, especially quickly, it's it's really cool that that work is being done to fix part A of this yeah. equation, being able to uh, to to let people better sympathize yeah, with to, those folks, and that is through this project. Yeah, it's actually called the uh, aging experience. So how do you how do you convey? What is an abstract idea into a real, actual experience for someone who otherwise would never have these symptoms that often come along with aging? A rapid aging drug. That would be one way of doing it, but (laughs) sadly not necessarily reversible. A more uh, perhaps uh, kind way of doing this is to simulate it and to do that. Uh, Genworth turned to a company called Applied Minds. All right. Now, Applied Minds was founded in 2000 by a couple of former Disney Imagineers. So these were uh, engineers who really thought outside the the box in order to create stuff. And uh, one of those two, Bran Farron, is still with the company. And in fact, I got to meet him. He was the person who led the um, the demonstration that I was part of. I was actually put into this piece of technology, which was an exoskeleton. Now, when we talk about exoskeletons, we are normally talking about technology meant to 
increase your abilities. Yeah, power you up. Yeah, yeah. so you can so it's lift starship heavy troopers you or can something yeah. like that. Throw aliens or at least walk. Right, like there are the exoskeletons that are designed for people who have lost mobility yeah. and have learned to walk again. That sort of stuff. Not the case with the aging simulator. Yeah, uh, it was actually meant to to diminish your physical capabilities rather than enhance them. Now. I, I even got to, to do the whole demonstration. I got to put the whole thing on. Uh, there's actually a video up. If you haven't seen the video, you can go to Forward Thinking and check it out. And, and you look like like Iron Man in this thing. A very doughy Iron Man. Yeah. <laughs> I I was I was very aware of how tight those straps were. Um, but uh, it was it was an interesting experience. And so it consists of a helmet. Which has a heads-up display. Uh, actually, has two uh, cameras mounted uh, on the outside, so where your eyes would be, so you get the stereoscopic vision. Uh, that feed is fed directly to monitors inside the helmet, and there's no latency that I could detect, which is fantastic. Because if there's latency, that means when you turn your head, you notice there's a delay between when you turn and what you see. Right. It's the make. It's the thing that makes people puke when they're using bad VR. Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of like feeling seasick. Yeah. yeah. It's when and I, I didn't notice any of that. You aren't exactly. Yeah. Your brain is like, um, your body is going through one thing, but your senses are doing something else. So we're just gonna dump everything in your stomach right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, out. Like, because I, I, I'm Best not sure, plan. What, not Thanks, sure buddy. what else to do. <laughs> so, if this is supposed to simulate the debilitating effects of age or disability, shouldn't it have had some latency to kind uh, of make you feel even worse? No, because they they said specifically that they didn't want people to become nauseated and they didn't want to simulate actual pain. They said those were the elements that are not part of the experience because they want you to be able to have a have sort of a a, a logical. A reaction a as well as an emotional one. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, but they they did alter your your vision in a couple ways. Right? Absolutely, yeah. This the fact that it was a video feed meant that they could interrupt the signal from the cameras to the monitors in different ways. So, uh, in one point, they gave me tunnel vision. Hmm. So the the periphery of my vision started to close in and close in and close in until I only had a small window that I could see huh. through, and even that was blurry. Yeah, yeah. Very disorienting. Uh, they did the opposite, where I had a blurry section in front of my vision and the peripheral was a little more clear. Uh, they also ended up uh, giving me the experience of having a cataract in one eye. By My right side got all milky white, and I couldn't see through it very well. Um, also, they kept on cranking up the thing as the demo was going on for that section. So while it would first be disorienting, it would get progressively worse as the as that section of the demo went on. And I would start thinking, like, you are going to reverse this, right? Because I'm not able to see anything. Um, this is kind of terrifying. <laughs> wow. Now, did they also have you, like, doing tasks or running through an obstacle course? I'll get to that. So next they put uh, – the head, helmet also has headphones. So they can mess with your hearing, right? Mm -hmm. There's a external microphone that picks up all the audio and feeds it into the headphones, but they can also change that. So they introduced tinnitus, also known as the ringing of the ears. Mm -hmm. If you've ever been to a loud show and you had your ears kind of ring for a little while after that, sometimes that doesn't go away. Yeah. Sometimes you can develop chronic tinnitus and it will be there forever. And you might be able to take some medication to help mitigate it. But it's always there. Uh, I've experienced tinnitus on more than a few occasions, being being the fan of punk rock that I am. Um, but uh, fortunately, don't have it as a as a chronic condition. But this was, I mean, I was very familiar with mm -hmm. the experience when they started playing. Because immediately I said, "Oh, it's tinnitus." He's like, "Yep, you're absolutely right." 
Uh, they also started to muffle my hearing. Mm-hmm. So they, they didn't cut it off entirely, but they, they started, uh, cutting out the bass and high notes that, or high pitches that I could hear. Um, and, or actually they started to, to blur out the middle ones too. So it, it was starting to get hard to make out what was being said. Like mm-hmm. I could hear that someone was talking. But I couldn't easily understand them. Oh, and they gave me the experience that I'm sure you guys have heard about where they fed my own audio back to me on a couple of milliseconds delay. Oh, yeah. And then they tried to make me say stuff. (laughs) So I started talking like this because hearing yourself on a short delay starts to mess with your ability to form words. If anyone's ever had like a really bad uh, sinus infection or something like that, you might have experienced something to that extent where where just your your ears are not functioning quite the way. I've I've recently recovered from a very bad sinus infection, which is why I bring it up. Uh, I've had it happen before when recording stuff and uh, had my own feed kind of coming back in to my headphones where it was on that short delay and I thought I've got to fix this because otherwise I'm not going to be able to talk at all and then you won't even think it's a Jonathan Strickland show because come on guys Um, it's like uh, a weird parallel dimension I know right it's a show that Jonathan's on and he didn't talk that's not right uh, so then the other piece of this, obviously, is the actual body, the exoskeleton body, which weighed 40 pounds, by the mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm. strapped snugly in several locations across my body uh, and uh, at all the major joints. So my shoulders and my elbows, my hips and my knees, there are uh, motors that can uh, increase torque uh, at those joints. So make it more difficult for you to move. And they had me do things like. Uh, reach up, uh, pretend like I'm climbing a rope, and then they started to lock up my shoulders and, and elbows, so it suddenly became much more difficult. And in the coup de gras, they had me walk on a uh, treadmill. So that was the part where it wasn't an obstacle course, but it was a treadmill. And so I'm walking at a decent pace for someone who's wearing an exoskeleton, uh-huh. uh, which already restricts your movement a little bit. It's not like it's not like I could go jogging through the CES show floor <laughs> wearing this thing. Sure. But then they started to lock up my hips and my knees. It was really disorienting when they only did one side. Oh, wow. That, yeah. Because then I could move like – I think it was my left leg I could move freely, but my right leg was locked up. And so I was lurching around quite a bit. Um, and yeah, it was a really interesting and enlightening experience to go through that and and feel what that was like. And so to think to, – to then be able to extrapolate that experience in, and think about other people going through that, it does create more of uh, not just a sense of awareness but one of empathy and sympathy yeah. for, for people going through that situation. Um, and I thought it was absolutely a phenomenal idea, not just for that compassion, which I think is incredibly important, but also you could potentially use this for engineers who are developing products for the elderly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, they had said that they had had some developers for apps interested in ha- having them come out with an exoskeleton so the developers could experience it themselves because they're trying to develop apps meant for senior citizens. And by actually experiencing these things, it may change the way they think about uh, the the presentation and, and interaction of those apps because now they they've actually they finally experienced understand it. Yeah. yeah what the what the need is exactly yeah. because you know a lot of prom- times you know not a lot of times but sometimes engineers set out to solve a problem but it turns out it was the wrong problem to try and solve mm-hmm. yeah uh, and having this personal experience means it's more likely that they would actually uh, hit the target they're aiming for yeah and I thought that was really 
an interesting thing. And the Applied Minds folks, by the way, super nice. They sat down and chatted with us, and they were really passionate about what they did. Mm -hmm. And so it was really encouraging to have that conversation as well uh, and not just like um, – you know, sometimes when you go to CES, you encounter people who are perfectly nice, but they are PR people who have been hired oh, uh -huh. to represent a booth. But yeah. these were folks who actually work for the company, and so they had a real uh, sense of investment, right? It wasn't mm -hmm. just like, their job to stand there and talk. Yeah, about not it. a gun for hire yeah. type thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, that was really cool. Uh, another thing, of course, this show is sponsored by Toyota. So you did spend a, a bit of time checking out some of the concept cars. Yeah, at CES. yeah, concept cars, and also just the underlying technology. Uh, so Toyota's big thing was they they went into more detail about their one billion dollar investment in artificial intelligence. Uh, they actually made a really good point that I had not had not really thought about in a in a concrete way. Which is that they, they mention, you know, AI, autonomous car technology is at a point right now where your standard driving, like you're under your standing, standard scenarios, it's pretty good. Like mm -hmm. it's, yeah. we have seen the demonstration that that technology is pretty mature. It's when you get to the outliers, the weird situations that don't happen all the time, but can happen, things that you don't necessarily anticipate as a programmer. That's when you have to start saying, well, that's where we have room to improve in AI. Yeah. And, uh, it's, and though one thing I do think I, I remember us discovering in previous discussions about, you know, what do you do when these weird scenarios yeah. come up, uh, in an autonomous car? We've often found that it's a surprisingly effective solution for most cases to just reduce speed and come to a halt. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For most, most of the time, that would be probably the best approach. I mean, a, if you're talking about just a small percentage of autonomous cars on the road, it could still be dangerous depending upon – like if you're on highway and you're moving at highway speeds, it could still be dangerous. But yeah. generally speaking, that seems to be the the best course of action. Like it, it's just surprising how far that simple strategy will take you. Sure. Uh, but as they were pointing out, they were saying what they wanted to do was develop AI that could encounter a new situation and react appropriately to it even though nothing had ever been programmed specifically in the AI's programming to deal with that situation. And so that's that's a hard problem. That's, an, that's a hard AI problem that has implications well beyond the auto industry. Oh, sure. But that's one of the things they're going to really be focusing on in these AI centers. But they also talked about things like the connected car, which is a lot more simple to grasp, right? Mm -hmm. So connected car on its simplest form, it might be a vehicle that has an entertainment system that streams – various stuff from the internet into your car. Uh, or it may be able to give you real-time updates on things like weather or traffic. Mm -hmm. oh, or the kind of thing that we already have these days where your car will uh, will connect to your phone when you get in and start playing whatever music you like right. to hear. Yeah, your phone becomes the conduit and your mm -hmm. car is really just connecting via Bluetooth or maybe a plug uh, to use to utilize your phone as almost like a modem. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, now, what if you don't want it to automatically play your music when people get in the car for fear of embarrassment? <laughs> Uh, download things other than Smash Mouth, I guess. Yeah, I was about to say, like, don't tell like, me what to do, Lauren. <laughs> I only listen to awesome music, so I don't know what – I have no frame of reference. We need to make a embarrassing music exoskeleton for me to be in <laughs> so that I can – Understand this new world. Yeah. Look, I'm I'm all about I'm all about my uh, my various uh, my various punk rock bands, garage rock, Lawrence Welk, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm all about that. So I, just, I don't understand this embarrassment stuff. Uh, no, but at any rate, the connected car could go much beyond that, right? You could have actual connected car that can communicate with smart home technology. And in fact, that was a lot of what we saw on display at CES. Ford in particular. Yeah, yeah. They, they announced. Did they announce or did they just show off their uh, their contract with Amazon? They they had essentially, they talked about it a lot. It was interesting. At the Ford booth, they had a car, like a big like kind of muscle car on mm-hmm. display that was really pretty. But I don't think it had any connection to the connected car concept. For the connected car stuff, they had walls that had information about how the Amazon Alexa integration was going to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still a pretty interesting idea. So Alexa's that that voice concierge system that works with uh, Amazon's Echo product. So if you've ever seen the Echo, you can get that, put it in your home, and you can you can do something as simple as asking Echo, "Hey, what's the weather going to be like tomorrow?" and uh, it'll tell you. Yeah, yeah, it looks a little bit like a like a paper towel roll yeah. that just kind of hangs out and like does stuff for you. Yeah, and but you can also connect it to things like your smart light bulbs if you mm-hmm. have them. You could say, uh, "Alexa, dim the lights," and it'll do that automatically. Or uh, in this case with the car, you could say, "Alexa, start my car." And it could actually start your car in your driveway, which might uh, be to good. warm it up when warm it's cold it up or cool it down. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so <laughs> now, can your can your connected car connect to your hover butler? That's what I want to know. I would imagine you <laughs> like, could actually do that. Yeah. The hover car. Butler, the car. <laughs> hover butler, bring my jacket out to the car for me. Uh huh. Or hover butler detects that you're experiencing road rage and hides in preparation for you. <laughs> Getting home, home or, or takes just, defensive measures or just puts on the, the smooth jazz so that you, right. <laughs> yeah, so when you, you walk in, like, yeah, and bring, yeah, brings you a cocktail, lowers the lights uh-huh. a little bit, you yeah. know, hover butler is allowing you to experience a cool down period. <laughs> uh, this chill out uh, uh, period is, is sponsored by Hover Butler. Um, yeah, so so Alexa could also allow you to do things like have your car interact with your home in the sense that, like, let's say you leave your house, you get in your car. And you could even have it set up where you use Alexa to maybe lock the smart locks on your house mm-hmm. or or arm the security system or change the lights. Or turn down the air conditioning. Or, or open the garage door for when you. When you're coming home, sure. Yeah. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. So it, it's, it's just meant to try and create this sort of seamless experience you would have from moving from your home to your car and back again, that kind of stuff. Uh, and we saw some of that also with other systems as well, not just Ford. Volkswagen had a, um, the Buddy B-U-D-D dash lowercase e. Uh, that's their concept electric <laughs> van. Yeah, the buddy. Um, Sponsored by Polly Shaw. Yeah. yeah. Bud Day. Uh, Bud Day. Uh, so Buddy, Buddy actually. Sponsored I, by Forrest Gump. I thought, I thought Buddy, I thought Buddy looked pretty nifty. Honestly, I like the design, uh, but it's a concept car. So mm-hmm. it's, it's never going to hit production. We might see some of the technology work its way into other vehicles. You could also point out Volkswagen had a really uh, compelling incentive to show off at an electric vehicle in 2016 after ah, the right. diesel scandal of 2015. Yeah, Which totally. I believe were our last episodes before the hiatus, right? When we were yeah, talking yeah. about the yeah, it Volkswagen was, it was you and You and me, Joe, and uh, uh, Ben and Scott of... Car, car stuff. stuff yeah, that was kind of awkward. We didn't know those were going to be our final episodes before a hiatus. Yeah, yeah. we would have uh, we would have said sorry. We're going to be on pause. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry about that, folks. But uh, it was also interesting that that beyond talking about electric vehicles and connected cars, there was also a, a 
a weird conversation going on on the show floor about the the battling concepts of personal ownership and a fleet of vehicles. So I would argue that a lot of the connected car concepts are partially the car companies trying to create incentives for personal ownership, right? Like the cuz cuz you're talking about interacting with your home. You're not going to have a third-party car service that you're going to have allow to connect to your home. That seems like that's a bad idea. Uh, sure, sure. Though you may want a third-party car service that connects to your smartphone or something like that. I would really be hesitant, especially anything that would allow you to control security systems. Oh, of course. Yeah. So, I mean, well, the it, smartphone makes a little more sense because if it's not in the car, then mm-hmm. it they're not likely and it's not like they're going to flash the drive of your phone while you're in the vehicle at least i hope they wouldn't um so that if they did that would be bad because they'd have a copy of your smartphone and then next thing you know your your lights are going crazy and you're thinking it's a poltergeist no it's your uber driver who's ticked off that you gave him a bad rating <laughs> driving by your house huh. um uh, but but, 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 anyway. but yeah as we talked about in our uh driverless taxi episode uh, what a lot of a lot of forward thinkers in the auto field these days are seem to be looking at getting fewer cars on the road. Yeah. Yeah. So that means that some companies are already looking forward to that as a potential pathway. And one of them was probably the most mysterious company going into CES, which is Faraday Future. Mm-hmm. Uh, Faraday Future is a, a kind of an Internet startup. What, what, what do you get if you mashed up an Internet startup with a car company? Um, kind of this upstart company that is, is that not sort of what Tesla is? A little bit. Tesla, Tesla, I would argue is a little closer to your traditional car company than Faraday Future is, but not by much. Mm-hmm. I would say Tesla certainly, for lack of a better term, paved the road for Faraday Future. Oh. I tried to come up with something else, but my brain locked on the pun. Um, they beat a path. Yeah, there you go. And so Faraday Future, uh, kind, of, kind of is following in those in those uh, in that in the wake of Tesla, I would say. But Faraday Futures' approach uh, was to show off a really interesting and weird-looking concept race car called the FF01. And when you look at this thing, it's a very weird uh, uh, design. I mean, the physical appearance of this car is striking. To the point where, if you when you first look at it, you think, "How the heck do you get in there?" Yeah, thing? yeah. Like, is that a car? Is that a Batmobile? Yeah. Am I Batman? Is it just a prop? Is it actually possible to get well, inside that thing? It's it would. To be honest, it was a fancy prop. Yeah. I and, mean, by concept car, they mean like I don't think it was drivable. Yeah, and they certainly weren't. They weren't. <laughs> they were there to. Well, the the whole idea was doors that, are so the the past. Yeah, well, the whole so twentieth century. The whole idea was how can you grab. A lot of attention, particularly in an area where you have all these established parties, right? Oh, yeah. So you've got Toyota sure. and Ford and Volkswagen mm-hmm. and Kia and Lexus and all of these companies having a presence there. How do you get noticed? And they designed this incredibly weird-looking race car. Uh, and uh, the cool thing they had to show off wasn't really the race car. That was just to, to get your attention, get you in the door. They were showing off their uh, variable platform architecture, or VPA, which is kind of their their concept of car design moving forward. Vehicle design, I should say, because it's not just cars. It also involves trucks and SUVs. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a modular concept, right? Yeah. You start with a basic chassis that can be modified to be longer or shorter, depending upon what kind of car you want to build. And then you have a modular battery design. So they designed their batteries to be interconnected. 
and you add more batteries if you need more power. So an SUV would have more batteries than a subcompact car. A race car would have a lot of batteries because you need a lot of power very quickly, mm-hmm. right? Or a big old SUV. Exactly. You, or a truck. Anything that requires a lot of torque or a lot of speed would need more batteries. Anything that was like a, a just a basic get around town kind of car would need fewer. Uh, and because you could change the, the shape of the chassis, really the, the length of the chassis and the number of batteries there, it meant that you could develop these vehicles very, very quickly, at least in concept. And in fact, the race car went from sketch to physical thing in 18 months, which for cars is no time at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, usually you're talking about five or six year cycles to bring a car model uh, out, right, to show it off. And they, they plan on having vehicles ready by 2018, which is pretty aggressive. That's that's ambitious. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've heard I have heard it referred to on the internet as vaporware a few, uh, I, a few times. I've seen, I've seen that a lot. I don't know that I would go quite so far as to call it vaporware. I would certainly say they have tons of challenges in order to make this a, a viable, uh, uh, company in that space. I wouldn't go so far as to call it vaporware yet. I think that might be a little too cynical. Uh, but, they the cards are stacked against them, right? They've got their work cut out for them, those plucky kids. Yeah. Now, fortunately, <laughs> they also have very deep pockets because they're getting funding from Chinese company in the tune to billions of dollars. Ooh. So oh, hey. when you got billions of dollars behind you, then you can afford to take some risks. And uh, it'll be really interesting to see if these risks pay off. And one of the things they talked about specifically was that the cars they make may never be used for personal ownership. They may mm. end up being the the company that makes cars specifically for fleets of autonomous vehicles. And they mentioned that beyond just the modular approach with the batteries, beyond the ability to to change the chassis, they could also change up the drivetrain and they could incorporate autonomous technology. So you could end up with an electric vehicle that's autonomously controlled or it has autonomous control. And it's just part of a fleet service like Uber or Lyft. And this could be the company that yeah, does it. Man, I I kind of hope that the I, I want to ask the car stuff guys about this one, because I'm curious to see how how people who, who have a very. People who have very strong opinions about about models of cars, yeah. you, know, you know, people, you know, could. Car people are always talking about like, oh man, did you see that '67 Flirtbert? And you're like, oh yeah, the '67 was the best Flirtbert that ever Flirtberted. Yeah. And and people get so excited about it. So you're, so I wonder. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna pretend you said Cadillac. But yes. Yeah. yeah Flirtberts. Whatever. Awesome. You know those classical. <laughs> you're saying like. Is this to them what it would sound like to us if somebody were like, wouldn't it be great if all food was just in little uh, pill, pill form? form? <laughs> right, exactly. So yeah. I can tell you, I did a an episode of Tech Stuff and I had Scott on the show. This was the infamous Ambush Scott episode <laughs> where I had him on the show and then I said, all right, Scott, I'm going to hit you with a scenario. I want to hear your reaction. I said, imagine that it's, a, it's you know maybe 20 years in the future where this autonomous technology is truly mature to the point where it is demonstrably better than – human performance. And at that point, they outlaw human drivers and all uh, personal car ownership is pretty much a thing of the past, too. And we all just rely on vehicles that arrive uh, on demand and autonomously take us to our destination. What do you think? And did, it, did his head just fall off? Uh, you could hear the moment his heart broke. Oh. Yeah, it was it was audible oh, in that don't episode. Break Scott's heart. Uh, Scott is like the sweetest dude. I did apologize to okay. him in a, in a subsequent episode. Okay. Of Next there will be driving approved zones. 
bones. Come on now. Yeah. You'll only be able to turn to the left, but it'll be there. Uh, that's a race car joke. Yeah. So at any rate, yeah, it was, it was interesting to see a company that was head on saying this is the way we think the future is going to be. Because obviously the other car companies, I mean, that's a, that, that's, that's a discussion that I don't think most car companies are ready to have. Yeah, yeah, I've never um, seen that kind of thing before. Yeah, so it was really interesting from that perspective. And, uh, you know, of course there were a lot of other things that were on display at CES that I didn't really cover here. Oh, the smart up. I, I totally forgot about that. I, I want oh, this right, whole right, thing. Right. Yeah. Let, let me let me just give you a quick story. Oh, smart me up. Smart me smart up. Me yes. up. Or, smart yeah. me up and never stop. Yes. Yeah. So we were talking about the um, the real sense technology and the ability to detect mood. This was a facial recognition software that also could detect uh, like how happy are you, and it would look could, at your. Could it make a grown man cry? I'm not going to sit there and go into Rolling Stones. <laughs> Quotes for the rest of this episode. No, it's it would <laughs> that look at, makes one of us. It would look at your uh, yeah, <laughs> one of the three. It, it would look at it would look at your eyes and it would look at your smile and try to judge if you were sincerely happy or if you're just like grimacing. Uh, it, it could also uh, it it would try to determine your gender and your age. Hmm. So I stood in front of it to see what it had to say about me. That son of a gun said I was forty five freaking years old. <laughs> I, and and Aww. perhaps coincidentally, my happiness rating dropped significantly after the forty five that <laughs> popped up on the screen. This is gonna be really useful for like if Siri wants to know if you're gaslighting her. Well, I I was <laughs> No, Siri, I'm serious. I, see, I thought it was great because I want to know where the Tofuti stand is. Imagine that you're imagine that you're running a hip club and you're like, "Okay, but uh if this thing figures out you're older than 28, you are out. You don't get to go in." Oh, man. Or you have to be 73% happy before we allow you into the store. Oh, no. <laughs> that kind of stuff. And and I oh, thought, no. "Well, this could be a weird future, right? Where you suddenly have a different like it's not just it's not just authentication or verification. Now it's are you happy enough to come inside? If you're not, then you need to go and rethink your life a little. Oh, see, I would but all the places where I hang out, I think that it would be like, "Are you depressed enough to come hang right. out?" Right. It would be here? like, "Are you happy you need to go somewhere else. Have you listened to enough Bauhaus today? You're right. <laughs> Listen here, Mary Sunshine. You might need to turn it around and go somewhere else. Uh, so anyway, this this was just kind of a, a, a quick overview of some of the cool tech I saw there. Uh, there was so much more there. I mean, the Eureka Park section, which is really the the very small startups that have – usually it's, it's largely software-based these days. But there's some that have physical products too. Mm-hmm. That was amazing, but by the time we actually hit that part of the the show, we were all burnt out. And it got to a point where after we walked down five rows of this stuff, we realized that we couldn't name a single thing we had just walked <laughs> past because we were we were now just going through the motions, yeah. and that's when we called it. Yeah. And we're like, okay, we're not – unless something really hits us over the head with how amazing it is, we're not going to even understand yeah. what we're seeing. And and uh, sh- shout out to your to – your- Co-workers who went went out there with yeah. you. Yeah, Casey, a, 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 Casey and, Tyler. and Tyler, right? Yeah, and Jason, our boss, was uh-huh. there too. And uh, between between the four of us, we were able to do a lot. We got, I think, uh, four episodes of Forward Thinking shot, as well as I think six How Stuff Works Now videos. Oh my goodness! And I recorded a Tech Stuff episode while I was out there. Oof. So that was a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so, yeah, uh, yeah. We'll try to throw up links. Uh, we've we've been posting uh, links to things as they've come up on on Twitter and on Facebook. Yep. But we'll try to do more of that or go back and check them out. 
And you guys, we just recorded an episode of Forward Thinking. Yay! Yay. Yay. A whole new episode. And we'll be recording a whole nother new episode. Yeah, in let's just go a record moment. the next mm-hmm. one. So and with that in mind, guys, uh, if you are happy that we're back, let us know it because validation is something I'm constantly seeking. Mm-hmm. You can let us know on Twitter, on Google Plus, on Facebook. We are FW Thinking. Search FW Thinking on Facebook to find us because we don't have the FW Thinking domain there. But if you search, we pop right up. You can leave us a message there. You can email us fwthinking at howstuffworks.com. Let us know if there's any particular technology you're interested in or science or just a question about what the future might be like. Throw that in there. Do you have any other comments? We'd love to hear them. And we will talk to you again really soon. For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit forwardthinking.com. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.